This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Duncan Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe, Season 13, Episode 10. I'm your host, Ian, and I have with me... This is Theo. And unfortunately, we are down one host. We all wish uh, Steph recovery from great injury... Not injury, illness. But we will hold down the fort while she is gone. What'd you do? What'd you do to her? Uh, Well, you know, I, I decided to send my used Kleenexes and sneezes in her direction and she apparently caught it terrible (laughs) or maybe she just licked doorknobs friends like you all right we have a ton of news um dc still hasn't released solicitations for august but they have released a bunch of individual things that are happening august so start us out with um fear state which is the crossover with the main batman title by james tynan Catwoman by Ram V and Harley Quinn by Stephanie Phillips. This is going to be Batman versus Scarecrow and the Magistrate and Peacekeeper One and of course Simon Saint who's behind it all are going to be big parts of this. Um, It's going to be a six issue series similar to Joker War. Um, They haven't indicated if they're going to double ship or not. Um, If they don't double ship that means it's going to last till about February so it'll take the rest of the year. They've promised they're going to spin out at least two, probably more series, whether it's miniseries or solo or, or ongoings. Uh, I know Theo and I are very determined that one of those series must be Batgirls. So what do you think about the news of Fear State? As, as previously mentioned, as long as it is announced, either after or during or what have you, that we're getting... Batgirls, it's a win. But I'm 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 excited for the story. Also, you know, it's continuing this this road for the Batman universe towards uh, future state, and again, filling a lot of potential plot holes that we got in the future state itself. So I'm I'm here for it. Do you think that? Simon Saint, the Magistrate, and Peacekeeper One will be defeated at the end of Fear State. I don't know. I mean, if we want to, if we want to think that Future State is going to happen, and I know at the beginning of every issue we're told this is a potential future, this is a potential future. But if if we're going to get to Future State as it was presented at least the magistrate 
the program will have to survive. Simon Saint may go down, but the magistrate will have to survive. I think that this is here's my maybe I'm colored by hope, but I think that this will wrap up the future state stuff. Um, I think that we are going to see Simon Saint and Peacekeeper 1 defeated. Of course, they can always come back, but I don't think we're going to actually see Gotham fall into uh, the magistrate that we see in Future State. I could, of course, be wrong, but that's my my hope, and that's kind of how I see the way they're setting it up. It doesn't feel like they're going to set up Batman losing that badly. And I I guess my only thing is that has been difficult for me to grasp is the idea that in the end of all all the rogues in the rogues gallery that it's scarecrow that's gonna get us to the to future state or supposedly it's gonna get us to future state. That's just a little difficult for me to grasp right now. I don't put him that high up in the hierarchy of of villains. Yeah, I think low that's a, fair. Low A, high B at best. I would put him solidly in the middle of B. We also had the announcement of a Clown Hunter one-shot as part of the Batman Secret Files. Um, this is going to be written by Ed Brisson and drawn by Rosie Campe. It also is going to feature um, some kind of conflict between Clown Hunter and Punchline, which of course makes a lot of sense given that Punchline is a Joker disciple and Clown Hunter is a Joker hater. Um, I'm a little concerned because Ed Brisson has not super impressed me with any of his projects at DC. Um, and Rosie Campe is fine, but unfortunately the stuff I read by Campe was in Spider-Gwen and had the unfortunate... Um, contrast of being right next to Takashi Miyazawa's art, which is some of my favorite art at all of Marvel. So I just... This doesn't excite me a whole lot. Um, I'm kind of bummed that it's not another James Tynan story, because I I loved the Batman annual that was all about Clown Hunter. What do you think about the Batman Secret Fires um, Clown Hunter one-shot that's coming? Not too crazy about it, simply because I... I still haven't found that connection to Punchline. So if if more comes out before the issue is released, you know, it may pique my interest. Or if I if I get more involved in the Punchline backup story in Joker, but right now it's it's pretty low on the wanna read them either. We also had free comic book day announced for august interestingly the rest of the comic book publishers are shooting for i think earlier for free comic book day but dc's going for august um they've announced two teen slash adult um free comic books and two um kid so middle grade reader style comics the adult comics are a combination of fear state preview and John Ridley's I Am Batman, which is another ongoing series that is announced for August, but we don't know a whole lot about whether that's a miniseries or an ongoing or what, but it is a follow-up to um, Second Son. Yes. Um, You may want to redo that intro, because Free Comic Book Day 
is for everybody is on the 14th. So all the publishers are doing the 14th. Oh, okay. No, I'll just let uh, people understand that Theo pays more attention to dates than I do. <laughs> uh, so that's our Batman stuff. Connected to Batman, but not, of course, directly, is they've got a Suicide Squad pre-comic book to tie into the movie. Uh, this is also a two-part um, comic, like a lot of free comic book day issues. The first part is going to be King Shark, which is the prelude to a six-issue miniseries by Tim Seeley. That'll be kind of wacky. It's also got a preview of Brian Azzarello and Alex Maleev's Get Joker, which features Red Hood and Harley going after uh, the Joker. Uh, The middle grade has Batman and Robin and Howard, which seems similar to the Dear Justice League style books, which is about kids interacting with their heroes. And I think it looks cute. I like this kind of thing. Um, There's also an Amethyst thing by Shannon and Dean Hale. Um, doesn't directly connect to Batman. And then the other younger focus book is going to be a preview of Beast Boy Loves Raven, or Raven Loves Beast Boy, which is a continuation of Camin Garcia's graphic novel spinoff of the Teen Titans in that line. So that'll be nice. We also have the announcement of a Batman cartoon titled The Caped Crusader. This is going to be produced by Bruce Timm, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves, of course, is directing the Batman film coming next year. The preview art looks very much inspired by the classic Golden Age with the very wide and outstretched ears on Batman. So that'll be very interesting. It's about time that we had a major animation project centered on Batman. We also, of course, have a major animation series called uh, Adventures of Super- or My Adventures with Superman. That's going to focus on a young Superman, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen. That should be fun. And again, it's about time that they're actually focusing on main characters in their animation after mostly centering their efforts on Teen Titans Go and DC Superhero Girls, both of which are very entertaining shows. But I'm hoping that these cartoons are aimed at a little bit older to sort of get people more into comics because there are so many people who say, I got into comics because of the animated series. Um, Not meme, of course. I got in because of Batman Begins. But I meet so many people who just loved that animated series and really connected to the comics because of that. Uh, what do you think about the, uh, the Cape Crusader announcement? I, I will say two things. One, I'm still somewhat of a person scorned whenever I hear JJ Abrams, because I can't forgive him for what he did to the Star Trek universe, but that's neither here nor there. And two, as long as Bruce Tim doesn't bring up that idea of Babs and Bruce being a thing from the killing joke or anywhere along that line, I will be okay and I'll be all for this. Those are um, concerns I also have, but uh, I am hoping that they'll have some good uh, corporate oversight on those types of things and say this would damage the brand guys let's not do that we also have an, a, two two more brief announcements for news dc fandom is coming back again that'll be fun a lot of panels that i enjoyed last year um and we have the batgirl film is back on we've got directors attached um they previously directed oh what was that it's um bad boys for life the third bad boys movie 
I have not seen that movie, so I do not know what they're like. And it's going to be straight to streaming, so they're no longer trying for a theatrical release. I don't, I don't know. HBO hasn't done a lot of straight to streaming yet, um, so I don't know if they're going to treat this like some of the cheap Netflix straight to streaming or some of the more serious Netflix. So is this going to be like Bright with Will Smith, or is this going to be like an Asylum film? I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Bright with Will Smith. That actually wasn't a bad movie. No, I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Like, I will I will make the same statement as previously said. I know Bruce Tim isn't tied to the movie. However, as long as they don't make this Babs for Batman thing a thing, I'm all in. Yeah, I agree. I think that because they have Catwoman, they're not probably going to push for, for Babs as a love interest. I hope not. Well, even even with Catwoman there, this the notion of Selena, not Selena, the notion of Babs running around crushing on Bruce just turns the stomach. It's not good. No, it's never been good. I mean, if if there was ever anything that was wrong with the animated series, it was that part. Just the idea of. Bruce and Babs having any type of relationship other than mentor, father, what have you, is just just wrong. 100% agreed. All right, let's move on to our comic reviews. We have two reviews, Robin number two and Detective Comics number 1036. We're going to start with Robin number two. Written by Joshua Williamson, art by Gleb Melnikov, colors by Huis Herrero. Lying on a stone slab, the hole in Damien's chest knits closed, and he wakes to Rose Wilson, the Ravager, telling him what he missed. The rules of the tournament that Mother's Soul revealed while he was dead. You have three deaths, after which you are truly dead. You may leave at any time. Combat is only allowed during the daylight, and the winner gains immortality. Damien responds by killing four or five combatants in a row and making his challenge known to Flatline, to which she responds with a wink. Rose tells Damien that his top five foes are Respawn, the Deathstroke copycat, XXL, a ten-year-old with an ego and a fan club, Flatline, Lord Deathman's new sidekick, Black Swan, a killer ballerina, and Connor Hawk, brought by the League of Shadows, who seems to be in conflict with the League of Lazarus. Robin finds his gear, Rose looks at his manga, which embarrasses him, and reveals that she's not here to fight for boring immortality, but instead to investigate something on the island, and offers to train him. That night, Robin sneaks to the heart of the island and is surprised by Flatline, who claims to want to be frenemies. Robin rejects her, but together they discover Mother Soul looking at an unstable giant Lazarus pit secretly. Robin disappears, but Rose captures him, telling him he needs to learn how to have fun, showing him a party on the beach. So first question. 
How old do you think Rose Wilson is compared to Damien? Damien's about 13 or 14. I don't know. And it, and it confuses the heck out of me simply because this is the same Rose that was sleeping with Jason just five years from now in Future State. So I'm just, I don't know what, what's going on with that. Cause she definitely looks far younger than what she did just two months ago. So that really drew me off. Well, I, I kind of assume that Rose is in like 18 at least, possibly early 20s. I forget what Priest said. Priest said that he was surprised when he found out how D- how old DC wanted Rose to be. But I can't remember if he was surprised because he wanted her to be older or younger than what DC said. But I am pretty sure how- she's no younger than 18. How old is Jason right now? Early uh, 20s? I want to say Jason's like 19 or 20. Okay. Because I think Dick is maybe early, like 25 at most. And I say Babs is the same age. And so I think Jason is like 19, 20, maybe 21. Tim is probably 18. Uh, Steph is 19. Cass is, I have no idea how old Cass is. She used to be a year older than Steph. Now she seems to be Tim's age. So It, it, it just amazes me. It, it amazes me that DC has never been able to fix this. The ages? And, and, yeah. And, it, and every time they add a new member to the bat family it only makes it worse it does make it more complicated especially if the member is really young i mean that's one of damien's biggest problems is that he started out as 10 and he stayed 10 until the end of the new 52 and then all of a sudden he was 13 at the beginning of rebirth and now five years later after rebirth we're bumping him up to 14 and they've never allowed tim dick or jason to officially age so damien just keeps getting closer and closer to them all right so does it feel like rose has been reading stephanie brown's batgirl number 17 where she tells damien that he needs to learn how to have fun if rose is reading steph comics we need to have a conversation but it really does. It really did bring back those memories that, again, you know, you and I have always talked about how my appreciation for Steph as a character was gained in that arc of her series. So, yeah, it definitely brought back those memories. Yeah, it really does. And I'm looking forward to it. I love Rose as a character, and I'm really intrigued about what she's on the island for. Like, what... What is she willing to risk so much danger from these really deadly fighters just to investigate, especially since she apparently doesn't want to live forever? So um, which of the five enemies that we saw highlighted are you most excited to see Damien fight? I would say Connor, but I think that's a given. So I am going to say Respawn just because yeah connor of course is the one i'm most interested in long term because he hopefully will become a hero and will spin off into a green lantern book i hate to be cliche but it's going to be um flatline just because they've given her the most personality of the group um and i think it's interesting to see a teen who is basically a zombie um and i, I think that'll have interesting 
thematic connections to Damien, who, of course, has been killed and reborn and was raised as a young, young child to kill people. So I think that'll have good parallels. All right. So let me Go ahead. let me ask this question. Do you do, so after issue two, do you do you have a better idea of where you think the story is going? I do not. Um, there's two major mysteries. Damien wants to know why Talia and Bruce hid the League of Lazarus, and Rose has her own investigation. Um, and I don't know how those are going to be resolved. We just The only real clue we have is this giant, unstable Lazarus pit, and I don't know how that can go, because Lazarus pits can go so many different directions. So I'm thinking the underlying plot of the tournament is to feed those souls to the pit. They, I, I just think that the legal Lazarus need souls in order for that pit to be more stable. That makes so a that lot they of can sense. Remain, they can remain immortal. That's, I mean, when you see that, that, that page where they're talking about how, you know, we need to, we need, we need more, we need more. The only thing I could think of is they need more souls to make that pit more stable. Well, it could be similar to the Nain pit that we saw in the Fall and the Fallen of Tom King's Batman run, where instead of a normal Lazarus pit, which revives a dead or dying person, this trades a life for a life. Whereas this League of Lazarus pit could trade multiple lives for immortality. I could definitely see that being the case. Me too. All right, so out of five Robin Rangs, so we have Damien with his little R that cuts through things and he throws, how many would you give Robin number two? Again, very good issue. I, I like what I like what Joshua Williamson is doing right now. So for me, this will be three and a half Robin R's. I agree. This is going to be three and a half out of five Robin R's as well. And of course, that means that it is the three and a half overall. Um, definitely still excited to see where this series is going. Whether you are a first time TBU Comics podcast listener, a 13 year veteran, or anything in between, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TVU Bat Family and let us know what you think. Detective Comics 1036 Story 1 the Neighborhood, Part 3. Written by Mariko Tamaki. Art by Dan Moore. With colors by Jody Belair. Bruce's neighbor, Lydia, sees a glimpse of him carrying the body of presumably Sarah Wart into his house. She chases after them, 
but is unable to catch up as Bruce locks the door. She bangs on the door, demanding that he opens it, or she's calling the cops. Inside, Sarah begs for help as she begins to deform and shift into the shape of Clayface. There's more knocking on the door as GCPD has arrived due to Lydia's call. Bruce invites the men to search the home. Finding nothing incriminating and nobody, the officers and a still upset Lydia leaves. Walking the street in the city hall district, two guys who appear to be members of the Benito gang walk the streets at the request of the penguin. Suddenly, someone jumps at them from a dark alley. While this is happening, Bruce stands atop a roof in the Gotham skyline, holding the bag with Clayface inside. He pulls on his collar as he realizes that he isn't alone. Huntress is there, pointing her crossbow at him, wanting to make sure Batman is Batman after hearing the news of Sarah Ward's death. As they talk, Clayface oozes out the bag, sliding off the roof before eventually heading towards the sewers. After a brief tussle, they catch up with not Clayface, but Sandra Fuller, Lady Clayface. Batman takes Fuller and Huntress to one of the underground caves, where Fuller tells of how she witnessed the death of Sarah at the hands of Neil, Manicano's assistant. Batman puts a trace on Neil's cell phone. At City Hall, Mr. Ward confronts Manicano on the lack of action in, the, in finding his daughter's murder. He promises to end Nakano if, he, if answers don't come soon. On the other side of town, Penguin's goons have brought him the guy who attacked them from the alley. There's something terribly wrong with him. Something in his eyes. Batman and Huntress have located Neil on the rooftop of a building. Before they can get answers, Neil lets out a loud scream and dies. There's something wrong. Something in his eyes. As Bruce talks to Helena, they realize Neil's hands are covered in blood. It isn't his, so who can it be? Deb Donovan walks out of her home. She's immediately overcome with shock. On the sidewalk lies the body of her neighbor, Lydia. So, first question, where do you think this mystery of the death of Sarah and now Lydia is going? Oh my god, I have no idea with these eye-warmy things going on. I do not have a clue, and I don't know how it plays into the overall story of the magistrate and everything else. So seeing that was just drew me all in the loop. So I, I will gladly take suggestions from anyone right about now as to what, what's going on with that, with that plot line. Yeah. Well, we know that there is something going on with drugs that Simon Saint is testing. And I think those drugs have to do with the magistrate program somehow. Maybe someone has been dosed with the drugs and is this serial killer driven mad by by that experiment. 
So that's that's my one thought. Because we know that we know some things from the solicits, but we didn't know, for example, that Lady Clayface was going to be part of the story. And uh, that's my next question. What do you think of the integration of Lady Clayface? It's been like several decades since we've seen her. No, she was she was out. So I was a little I was a little surprised to see her. We haven't seen her since Gotham City Monsters a few years ago. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting because you did the reviews for that. So you always tell me, oh, yeah, that person you thought hadn't showed up since Nightfall is actually here. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was a little interesting to see her again. I mean, I don't, I don't know what led her to get arrested again, considering she was kind of already, you know, trying to live her life in, in lonesomeness. But I don't I, I don't know, but yeah, it was, I was quite, quite surprised to see her. I was really hoping that it was actually uh, Clayface himself making making his return, but I'm I'm okay with that reveal. Well, we did have a reference to to Basil Clayface, uh, which I thought was really nice. But I, I just I think, think it's that cool was... that she's pulling like when a new writer comes in, especially a writer who hasn't done a lot in the DC space before, I'm always worried that it's going to be like Joelle Jones, who says things like, Oh man, Catwoman just doesn't have very many villains. And you sit here and be like, Jim Balant made up a bunch of villains for her. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Um, And so Tamaki, she pulls not just from, you know, uh, Tynan's detective comics by referencing Clayface and how he used to be an ally of Batman. But she also is pulling Lady Clayface, who I'm sure she was connected through, um, you know, Gotham City Monsters, because I think she's friends with Steve Orlando. But, you know, that's a that's a deep cut. Lady Clayface is not the most popular Clayface or even the second most popular Clayface. But um, I remember her, her cool story in uh, Nightfall when she and the third Clayface, that weirdo, had a child together. Oh, God, that was memories. Yeah, I know, a oh. long time ago. <laughs> um, how did you think uh, Huntress's appearing in the main story worked? Do you think that it made sense um, seeing her in the backup last issue, and then she sews up this issue, and her story is woven in with the murder of Sarah, because her friend Mary was also murdered, and she thinks the two cases are connected? How do you think that worked? So, so if you if you read my review of Tech on the website, you will see that that is probably the only problem that I really had with this 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 overall issue the the, the fact that part two of Huntress's backup story appeared after the main story. This that back the backup story should have appeared last issue you know to kind of bring us into her showing up and appearing in front of Bruce on the rooftop so that really threw me for a loop that that was probably I mean it's good again that they're connecting the backup stories to the main story but it, it really I think it could have been done better if if that if the second part of the story, which is actually appearing in this issue, actually appeared last issue. Yeah, I, I can definitely see what you're saying. I mean, this is only the third issue of Tamaki's run, right? So the first backup was Robin. 
I honestly wish they kind of hadn't done that and had started the Huntress story, and then that would have allowed the Huntress thing to flow much more smoothly into this issue. But, or, I mean, I don't know how well this would have gone, but they could have just put that backup in the front, and then you read that, and then you go into the Batman, it makes more sense chronologically. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, maybe the initial plans were for the two Robin stories to just appear in Batman. And I know that was something that you wanted to happen. But yeah, it just again, the story itself was great, but its placement really, really drew it off. So, um last question for this part before we get into the Hunter's backup itself. Do you think Batman is being sufficiently heroic in this issue in these three issues of Detective Comics? I am going to say no, and I'm saying that not saying that Batman isn't a hero, but it seems it seems that the hero stuff. Yeah, he, they they saved the the old guy from being taken out by Lady Clayface, but right now what we're seeing we're seeing detective batman we're seeing him look for clues we're seeing him trying to figure out the story or what's going on and all the heroic stuff is happening over in the main book so and i'm okay with that yeah my next question is are you okay with this yeah i am i am okay with that what what tamaki is doing with her plots and how she's presenting Batman and Bruce. I mean, she is she has given us a story and proving that you can have a good Batman storyline that includes both Batman and Bruce Wayne equally doing stuff of significance. And and that's, it's very detective the the internal narration. And I love that we have that newspaper, the Bruce's neighbor Deb, writing newspaper articles. It has such great flavor, such great tone. It's dripping with atmosphere, you know? And and I'm going to say this, and some people may agree and some people may disagree, but I'm going on the record, and I went on the record in my review. I really think that Detective is the best Batman book right now, and it may not be close. Again, that's not taking anything away from what JT is doing is not taking away anything that really is doing in second son or any of the other bat books. You know, I, I, I love what Tom Till is doing with, with, with Nightwing, but right now with the way that Tamaki is just giving us a lot of meat with not a lot of action and it's, and it's making sense. It's just absolutely insanely crazy. Good. For me, I definitely give Detective Comics a slight edge, um, but I I don't I don't think it's like Detective Comics is going fifty miles an hour and Batman is only going thirty. I think it's more like Detective Comics is going fifty miles an hour and Batman's going forty. So it's it's not a huge difference, but I do think that there just seems to be a bit more uh, coherency. It, it feels more together than Batman right now, and that's. I I really liked last issue of Batman, so this is like as Theo said, I'm not knocking uh, Batman, but there's a lot of energy in this Detective Comics run, and people have been saying I want a detective story, I want a mystery, 
in detective comics for decades and we're getting it and i hope that they show up because this is good art it's good writing this is what people have been saying they wanted i hope they show up and i hope this does really well because it deserves to yeah and 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 the the worst thing about that that main story is the fact that it's the last one for dan moore for for a few yeah although it's victor bogdanovich coming so i am a big fan of victor bogdanovich i think that'll look great I, I don't think I don't think we'll have an issue, but it's. I mean, Dan, Dan, Dan Moore has just, been just jaw droppingly good. Oh, man, to, to see him to see him in in main book, you know, considering you know before this you were you were looking at Once in Future and, and Indies to see a lot of his stuff to to now have him in the pages of Batman has just been unbelievably just crazy and i've loved every page of it and him getting to draw both batman and one of my very favorite characters the huntress they looked so good together um theo pointed out this image of batman and uh huntress jumping down after lady clayface into the sewers and it's just classic detective with the capes and they look so good just awesome so now since you mentioned helena have they aged her down that I mean, that's a really tricky question because I always thought that Helena was late thirties, but some people have told me they think that DC meant her to be early twenties, and that seems really young to me. I um, mean, even if you can, if you compare her in in this first arc to how she looked in Birds of Prey, the last the last run of Birds of Prey with Batgirl. She, I mean, she was. She seemed much more older. She seemed much more mature. She, the long hair, of course, also kind of makes her look older. But she just looks. She looks like she can be closer to, in between Jason and Dick. You know what I mean? So you think this one looks early twenties? Yeah, I mean, I would think again from how she's being drawn, she's she's quite young. Interesting. I I don't know. I assume I always assume that Huntress is at least late twenties. Um so I kind of assume this. I'll have to look at it again to see if I think like they're making her younger. But I didn't feel that way myself. But I will say I'm just really bad at judging ages in real life, so I, I don't even usually try in uh comics. Um Hey, you did you did think I was twenty five before I told you my age, so yeah, you're kinda of... Well, but I hadn't seen you. We just talked on the Discord. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the Huntress backup. Huntress Part 2, Ex-Boyfriend. Written by Mariko Tamaki. Art by Clayton Henry. With colors by Jody Belair. Huntress stands inside the home of Mary Knox, her friend who was murdered in the last issue. Helena scowls through the apartment, looking for information or evidence until she eventually finds info on Mary's ex-boyfriend. She also finds evidence of domestic abuse and that he has three credit cards in Mary's name that he's still using for his own personal benefit. Huntress makes her way to his apartment where she confronts him on his whereabouts on the night of Mary's death. Her ex, however, isn't going to cooperate. 
he pulls a gun and fires, missing Huntress. She in turn places a crossbow bolt into each shoulder, pinning him to his armchair. The ex produces an alibi, a plane ticket bought on one of the credit cards in Mary's name. Huntress leaves, but not before promising to make his life miserable for what he did to Mary. She keeps that promise by contacting Oracle. She wants the guy put away for credit card fraud. Helena returns home to find Doug, Mary's cat, waiting on her. She fixes her dinner. She fixes him dinner and tells him that the ex isn't the culprit in Mary's debt. But she promises she's not giving up. So did this seem like a satisfying wrap-up for this two-part story about Huntress? It, it was a good wrap-up to the story. My only quip to it is that it it ended after the main story, and you know you knew it was coming, so you knew how things were going to end. But yeah, I think it was a very good wrap-up. I thought it was nice, especially because you get to see Huntress... This this felt almost like a solo mission for the Birds of Prey because she's in contact with Oracle and she does her own detective work and she, she doesn't let her own biases um, overcome her judgment. I mean, Huntress is always a character who is ruled by her passions, but she also has enough discipline that she doesn't let the passions overwhelm her. And so I thought that was really nicely done here. Um, it's very much a character piece. It's about Huntress's character. And that's important because Tamaki is going to be integrating Huntress more deeply into the main storyline. And she's going to be writing the spinoff in Secret Files coming in um, end of July. Um, how does Huntress seem to you in terms of characterization? Like what version of the character do you see this Huntress most closely connected to? Well, I won't say I won't say it was it wasn't No Man's Land Huntress because No Man's Land well, No Man's Land Huntress was just kind of wild and all, all over the place to the point where she uh, gets kicked to the curb. Well, she has um, too many writers on her in No Man's Land because you have Devin Grayson and. Um, you have Greg Rucka and I think one other writer, and they all pulled her in different directions, so it felt really weird. I thought it was just Devin that wrote those issues, but I guess not. I won't say it was necessarily her series either. Maybe, maybe Birds of Prey, the Gail Simone run? That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say early Gail Simone when Huntress was very angry and kind of alone and only slowly learning to trust people again that that of course is the huntress that i fell in love with so this is definitely a a positive for me and i'm very much looking forward to seeing more of what tamaki does with huntress and last question do you like this new version of huntress's costume i think it was designed by dan mora but we first saw it in full with clayton henry last issue I do. I, I I like it. I think it's I think it's somewhat of a drawback, a drawback, a drawback, as well to some previous you know bits and pieces of of yeah. You've got other, the classic circle um, belt buckle from the '90s version, and you also well, and the '80s version, 
and you have the cross from the Jim Lee version on the chest. Yeah, I, yeah, I really, I really like it, and, and I think, I think the way that it's drawn helps it be more pleasing as well. You know, because because for for example, we we can talk about how we get the we get you know Ghostmaker or Clown Hunter and how you know they're designed by Jorge, but when other other artists draws them, it, it doesn't look as appealing. But you know. This works whether whether you look at it from from Morris point of you know from Morris pen or from Clayton Henry's it it, it, it looks very good and, and and I think part of it is due to the fact that you have Jody applying the colors to both so when you have that consistency it it just makes it more pleasing to go from from one rendition to the other. Agreed. The only thing I wish they'd kept would be the ears. I love the Jim Lee ears mask where it really sticks up. Um, I think it, it's a cool silhouette. Um, but it's, I don't know why I thought you say you were going to miss the you, you, you missed the hood. No, the hood's never been something... I don't hate it. I did like that in Batman and the Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, but I, I prefer the ears. I just love that. And I appreciate that it's it's not an overcomplicated design. It's simple, but it's also very stylish and, and unique to her. So I like that a lot. So let me ask this question. What is it with uh, heroes just walking in the front door now with, with their mask off and their costumes on? They don't care about secret identity anymore because we see Dick basically do the same thing. Now, granted, his building is pretty much abandoned, but it's just like... Yeah, I'm just going to walk in through the door, front door, through the open window. And, you know, if anybody else is watching, they'll see me and I don't care. No, she just walks in the front door and Doug is sitting there waiting on her. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, unfortunately, the trope of secret identities is something that pretty much no writers are that interested in these days. Um, I mean, Tynan sort of plays with it in that Joker knows and nobody else knows who the Bat family's identities are, but it, it's just not something that any writer really wants to make central to the plot. Um, and I don't really know. I don't know. I don't mind it, but I also do have affection for trying to make the secret identity a little more secret. So I only mind when they make it a big deal in the story and then the character treats it like it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I didn't find that weird. And did you notice the typo? Oh, which one? So in one panel, she asked the boyfriend, where was he six nights ago? And then in the follow-up panel, after she then pinned him to the chair, it's two nights ago. Did I miss something? Nah, it's probably editorial. <laughs> um... All right, so out of five Mud Pack members, how many do you give Detective Comics 1036 as a whole? This is this is one of those issues where it's not quite a 
it's not quite a four and a half, but it's way better than a four. Um, on the site, I gave it a four because it doesn't rule and it's it's four, four and a half, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to give this here on the cast. I'm going to give this a very solid four point two five. I'm going to give this a four. Um, it's very, very good. And I I'm just a huge fan of Huntress. And I think she was done justice in both the main and the backup stories. Um, so that gives us a 4.13 total review. Uh, pretty high for us. Um, definitely a good crop of books for our main Batman universe reviews. Let us go to Greater Gotham briefly. And we're just going to do thumbs up, thumbs down, or uh, neutral. Or So neutral could mean you don't have a strong opinion or you have strong opinions in both directions. It just means you can't commit to one or the other. All right. So legends of the dark Knight number one, collecting the first two digital first issues by, um, Derek Robertson. This is a Batman versus many villains comic. What's your rating Theo? So I reviewed this on the site and it was, it was not good for me. So I am going to go thumbs down. I have to admit I'm leaning the same direction. Um, it's well done if you like the kind of thing that it's doing, but it felt too much like uber dark Batman, kind of all-star Batman and Robin Batman. Um, so I'm also going to give it a thumbs down. It just wasn't great for me. It was, it was almost, it, it had some points in there that just seemed childish. Yeah, I, yeah. There was some, there was some dark stuff in there that was a little bit too dark for my taste. But then there was other things like the Joker. You ruined it, Batman. You ruined it. Come on. That's, that's not today's Joker. This isn't Batman 66. It's not Batman versus Scooby. Batman and Scooby-Doo Adventures. It yeah. just, it just, it seemed too childish for me. And I was disappointed. As someone who, who owns both volumes, complete volumes of Legends of the Dark Knight and completely loved the 200 issue run that began with with Denny O'Neill, I was very disappointed with with the first issue. Um, Catwoman number thirty one by Ram V and uh, Fernando Blanco. What's your rating here? Thumbs up. I mean, up. same. I mean, we've both been just praising this comic every month, in and out. So. Thumbs yes, up. yes. Since since he's been on the book, there was maybe one down issue, and yeah, and it was it was a fine issue. It just wasn't as up as the other ones. Yeah, it, 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 he's been he's been on fire on Catwoman. Nightwing number eighty. Thumbs up. Uh, thumbs down or neutral. I'm telling man. Thumbs up. <laughs> Wait. Um. Well, this was the Tim Tim Drake issue, so I'm actually going to give this a thumbs up. I thought he did Tim and Dick. I loved their relationship, and there was Chippy Babs, which was great. Um, so a thumbs up for me. Uh, Truth and Justice number four. This was a Red Hood story, and it delves into his psychology. Um, I thought this was okay. It wasn't phenomenal, so I give it a weak thumbs up. Um, Neutral. 
And then we have Batman Black and White number six, the final issue of this volume. Um, this included stories by Brandon Thomas and Gary Randolph, uh, Scott Snyder and John Romita Jr., uh, and several others. Um, what's your rating of that? If this was if, if Brandon Thomas's story was the only thing in this issue, this book would have been a five for me. But the other stories just really Brandon Thomas's story and Nick Derrickson's story. And again, we have another artist who does his own script. It was were the only two stories that I really enjoyed. The others were may at best to downright dreadful when you look at the Snyder and Ramita story. That art just, I can't. So for me, that's a thumbs down, and I hate giving a thumbs down to anything Brandon Thomas is involved in. I'm going to give this a neutral um, because I think that the Brandon Thomas story was phenomenal. A lot of great art. I actually didn't mind the uh, John Romita Jr. art, but I minded Scott Snyder's writing because I am positive I've read this story from him before. I feel like he's used this exact same structure at least two times in the last, you know, 15 years since he started being a major writer. Um, so it's a neutral for me, even though that Brandon Thomas story is phenomenal. And I, man, I am excited for his outsiders and they better announce that outsiders. I, I just can't believe how the grasp of characterization he has on whatever it is that he writes. Like I said, like these characters in a short amount of time, it's, he's really good at it. And, and, and again, if you all know me, I have hated Duke Thomas since We Are Batman. I hated him through Scott Snyder's run. I've hated him through his own miniseries. I've hated him through Outsiders. I'm not counting the White Knight universe because that's AU. But when you read Brandon Thomas's run, his his two story his two stories in Future State, and then you read the Future State not the Future you read the you read the Outsider story that's currently in Urban Legends. He gets it. I am a fan of Brandon Thomas's Duke Thomas, and I can't wait to see him write Duke Thomas in the fall with Outsiders. I know they have that that one shot coming out with Duke Thomas. Why not give it to Brandon Thomas? Agree. What a, are they thinking? As a grasp on the on the character, give it to him. I, he is just so good. He is quickly becoming one of my favorite writers out there. Now we're going to do our listener feedback, which we weren't able to get to last week. Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. Um, we had a lot on the Discord, and it was really good. We had Borvok, who mentioned that. I think that from now on, whenever I summarize a comic book to someone, I'm going to end the summary with, and then his heart was totally ripped from his chest just to keep the trend from this episode. Well, I think that's a good way to end a review. I don't know if that's a good way to end all your comics. (laughs) Matches Malone said, I like the idea of the Court of Owls being more of a nuisance than an actual threat. They thrive on corruption and power, which can only exist if Gotham is up and running. The wealthier the city is, the better. 
court should be pissed at the damage the supervillains cause. Actually, it would be an interesting arc for them to send the talent against the costume villains, forcing Batman to protect them. Also, y'all sold me on Robin, picking it up this week. Well, I hope you picked up number two as well. It's been a really good series. And I agree. I think the Talons are such an interesting concept that haven't been paid attention to in the way they should. I think it works better when, as you say, they function as more of a third party rather than Batman versus the court. It could be Batman and the court versus someone else and then the court betrays him or Batman trying to protect villains from the court, as you suggest. I just think that they don't work as well in a binary um, conflict. And as long as they keep Lincoln March away. Um... Yeah, Lincoln March is the worst part of the court. Every Literally everything else is cooler than Lincoln March. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with the court. I think what kind of soured me to them is after that first arc in Snyder's run, he kept going back to him. And when you just constantly try to, I guess, force something on on readers, it just it just sours me to that idea. And I think that's where I am. I think the concept of the court is good, and especially how it was done in that first arc. But when when you just constantly try to throw them at you and, and force them down your throat with a follow-up arc and now there's the talent issue and now there's another talent and there's all these talents who you know have these ties to other characters in the batman universe hey dick this is your great grandfather love him you be him i mean and it and it it just you know it, it sours you know it sours the idea of him and i'm not I'm not totally sold on them being in the Joker story with Cressida, but knowing that perhaps JT has an ultimate plan for them, I'm willing to tolerate it. Yeah, I think you raise a lot of really good points. I do think that Snyder tried too hard to force them back into things like Zero Year and stuff. And so you just see all these things where it's like, oh, the, the Court of Owls have always been here. I used to play with an idea of a fanfic where I would bring back the old continuity before Flashpoint, which DC has now done, so I don't need to do the fanfic anymore. But I used to think that the Court should have been from the New 52 universe, and they hopped into the universe of before because there is no way that the court would exist you know during dixon's detective comics run or during you know denny o'neill's um detective comics run or strange apparitions like the court of owls makes no sense in an old gotham in a gotham that actually has the kind of history with batman that we had before the new 52 they're a new villain for a new batman and I think that it's very difficult to try and do what Snyder did. And I think that he did a great job of introducing them. But then I think that, as you say, I don't think it integrated as well as we'd hoped. Um, The professor, our friend Daniel said, just finished this week's pod and FYI, Stephanie Phillips has a PhD in rhetoric and composition. Also, I really enjoyed the conversation regarding the take that Batman could do so much more by donating zillions instead of beating up criminals. 
that take is cold as ice, in my opinion, for the reasons y'all noted on the pod. There's a long tradition in the comics of Bruce Wayne doing exactly that and spending gobs of money in urban improvement projects, poor relief, etc. He also beats up criminals as Batman. Funny how that works. Hashtag walk and chew gum. Um, I mean, you said it so well, Professor. We Batman does not just go around beating up people. He is committed to Gotham as Bruce as well as Batman. And I wish comic writers wouldn't forget that. Here, here. All right, so that brings us to our support segment. I want to invite anyone who um, feels like they like our content and want to support us to join our Patreon. Uh, You can also give one-time donations on PayPal. We also have a bunch of affiliate links, which link to stores like Amazon, Comixology, Lego, uh, Things from Another World, and GameStop. So lots of nerdy things that you can buy through our links, and I'll give a little bit of your purchase. Um, it won't, of course, charge you more, but a little bit of that purchase goes to the Batman universe to support our servers and hosting. Uh, we have our Batfan appreciation wall, and that's the people who have donated a certain amount on Patreon over the last month. And those people include Gerald Green, Joshua Lappin-Bertoni, Rob O, Real No Deuces, Tim Garassi, Robert Lewis, Ian Miller, Stephanie Mounts, Donovan Morgan Grant, Stanton's Grave, Donald Townsend, Ed Grouse, Brendan Roberts, Hannah Gar, Captain America, Mary Garrett, Austin Davis, Johnny McCloskey, and Cesar Diaz. Thank you all for helping us um, keep the lights on. I really appreciate your support, and I also appreciate all of the things you do for the site. Some of you are writers, some of you comment, some of you engage us on Discord. I really appreciate all of that. Um, Batman Universe is a Batman Universe family, so thank you for supporting us. Um, Next time, we'll be dealing, of course, with Batman and Detective Comics goes into double shipping. So that'll be... Double shipping, Yeah! I am not as excited as Theo. Hopefully we'll have Steph to join us again. But until next time, I've been Ian. And this is Theo. Get well, Steph. Get well, Steph. And thank you for listening. Hey, guys. This is Steph coming to you from the editing room. Sorry I missed this week's cast, but thank you so much for all the well wishes. Um, I had strep, but I'm feeling so much better today because antibiotics are amazing as were Robin and Tech. I'm glad you liked them as much as I did. I can't wait to join you next time. Bye.